This morning, I, I want to review before we uh, go on just on how all this works together. Uh, in the scriptures, we look at our relationship with God and our relationship to one another. And we find that it is found in the pasture and that God says, I will be your shepherd. I'll be your good shepherd in the Old and the New Testament. Jesus uh, ta- spoke to his people as well and said, I, I'm the good shepherd. And he says, uh, speaks of this pasture and that there's sheep in it and that you're my sheep and that this will be the relationship that I'll have with you. God loves us as his sheep and that he also places within a church elders that are called to shepherd. He places in a husband-wife relationship the husband there to shepherd his wife. And also he calls them as a couple to shepherd their children uh, and fulfill that role, as well as us having roles of shepherding within his church. This morning, we're going to talk about what it is to be sheep. Uh, How can you be a good sheep uh, when you have a good shepherd? Uh, What is your role individually and how that works together in what we're doing? Let me pray for us and ask God's blessing on our time. God, thank you uh, for your grace to us, your mercy, and that you care about us. God, as we approach this subject this morning, um, I realize in a small way how unfitting it is for us to have any relationship with you at all, Um, that you could have picked better uh, than us, that you're so magnificent and so wonderful and kind and good. uh, And for you to come into relationship with us, God, we're just so thankful uh, that you are willing to do so. God, I ask this morning that uh, we would understand that and ultimately that we would fill our roles and see ourselves as you see us, um, that we might experience the joy that comes from just walking with you. God, thank you for this morning. We pray your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, really, before we get rolling in our message, I, I want to remind you of one super important thing, that we don't become his sheep uh, just at birth because we've been born. Uh, it's if we're born again uh, that we become his. That it isn't just that we uh, inhabit this earth as a human, but it's that he and we have this relationship with him. And that as as that relationship, we come into his pasture and we become his sheep. And we are not out on our own. We are not in some other pasture that we are his. And so this morning, it, I realized that a lot of people come for different reasons to church. Uh, I know that some come just because it seems like something to do. Their friends come. Uh, others find uh, encouragement from, they like singing or They um, just like being with other people. They're lonely. But what we're doing here is not just a mindless activity, but we're acknowledging that we have a relationship with the Father through the Son, that Jesus Christ has forgiven us of our sins. He's removed the barrier that's between us and God, and now we're in relationship with Him. And that's what this shepherding sheep relationship is all about. If you don't have that here this morning, I want to encourage you that that's step one, uh, that you would confess your sins, that you would come to him and you say, I need a shepherd. I need a savior and a Lord. 
uh, that will take care of my sins, that I can be in relationship with, that you will take care of me both now and forevermore. Uh, that is the first step. And then as we understand where we are as sheep, uh, maybe this will make a whole lot more sense to you in relationship with him. I have seven points of being a good sheep this morning, and I realize that uh, maybe that will be helpful for you to keep track and to keep score uh, if you're taking notes this morning. If you want to turn over to Psalm chapter 79, I want to read to you verse 13. And really, as we uh, look to the scripture, there could be dozens of scripture that we could talk about when it comes to this concept of sheep and pasture. At the end of uh, chapter 79, the psalmist writes this. He says, But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. What he brings is in the midst of difficult life, he says, We are your sheep. And, and we're in your pastures. We're the sheep of your pasture. Uh, when he looks out, when the shepherd looks out, he says, hey, this is my area. This is my area. And in my pasture, the place where I have provided, you are my sheep. You're my sheep. As you think about that this morning, my first point to you is to remember that you are sheep. Remember your sheep. And you say, well, what do, you, what do I need to remember about that? Well, the essence of sheep of what they are, are weak and simple. Weak and simple. As you think of yourself, it's important to think of yourself as weak and simple. Now, if I asked you, uh, if you could be any animal, what would you be? Uh, there'd be a lot of different answers. I could ask the kids for the surprise box. They were all full of good answers this morning of all kinds of things they wanted to talk about and explain to me about how snakes lose their skin and all kinds of cool stuff. They had things going. But what kind of animal would you want to be? Uh, when you think of great animals, you think of the king of the jungle. Uh, we look at different animals and maybe some of you want to be a giraffe because you want to be taller than everybody else. Uh, others have like, you know, different animals have this kind of like superpowers and stuff like that, a, a chameleon or something, something that would be really cool. And yet, as you look at the scriptures, none of those things, none of those things are exemplified in the animal that he chooses is just sheep, weak and simple. As you think about that, it kind of bucks against the, the core of what we try to teach ourselves all the time, Right. We always like to say, I'm the best. I'm the best. I should be first. You know, I should get the most. Uh, when we come up to a project or some resistance, we think, well, I'm smarter than this. I, I can conquer this. I don't need anybody's help. I, I'm better than everybody else. There was um, a reality TV show uh, that happened on Friday night here in Bear Valley Springs. It wasn't filmed. It wasn't filmed, but it was at my house. Um, you know, it's about 9.30 at night, and I, I looked at my wife, and uh, I was going to replace the tub and shower faucets. Uh, 
uh, changed those out. And I, I looked at it and I kind of smiled and laughed at my dad who wasn't there. Um, and I said, he always said, he always said to me, you never start a project later than nine o'clock at night. Um, and so I, yeah, I took upon this project. It was simple enough. I could see where it all fit together and I had it. Of course, I didn't turn the water off. That'll come in later. Um, so I get it all on all the right way. And, um, I, I'm testing it out and I pull, pull on it. And there was one piece that I didn't think I needed to use cause I thought that it didn't fit. And I pulled on it and, the whole thing came off and the water came shooting out. The whole pipe of water was shooting out and, and I couldn't do anything about it. Um, and I didn't need to have a plumber do this or ask anybody how to do it because I knew how to do it. You know, I, I didn't need anybody. I'm smarter than most. Uh, so I was so smart that I, I had this water pouring out in, into my tub, just filling up. And so I go, I need to go turn off the water. But I didn't know where to turn off the water. Hence, the water was on when I was doing this because we'd moved into the house. And, and so I go, oh, I got to find it. I, I'd probably be able to find it. So I, I circled the house. I couldn't find the place where the water came in. Um, I know where it was going out. It was going out in my tub. Uh, but... Uh, so I said, well, I need to find out where the main, you know, the place where they check. I don't know where that is. We just moved into the house six months ago, and I should have checked this already. So I'm out there about 10 o'clock now. Uh, water is spraying full blast into our tub, and it snowed this week. Did you know that? <laughs> and so I can't find it. And so I'm frantically running around our property at 10 o'clock at night in the snow, and and water is just, anyways, uh, it all ended up fairly well. And I just grabbed the piece that I ripped off and I shoved it on there as hard as I could. And I disassembled it and got it back so that it's not blowing water out as we speak. Um, I realized that's somewhat of a funny story. It wasn't funny at the time. I, I did not find any humor in it. Um, but I, I look at my life. Uh, and fr- frankly, I look at your lives as well, and I see the areas, not just in things that we do that blow up in our face like that, but I see this idea that says that we're better than we are, that, that says that we're somehow this superior person or uh, superior animal, and that God somehow looks upon us and he sees us as better than everybody else. And yet I look to the scripture and he says, you're sheep, you're sheep, you're simple and weak. When you're simple and weak, there's a sense of need that you always walk in. There's a sense of looking at doing crazy things and you say, I shouldn't do that because I'm not strong enough to do that. Uh, you know, we look at things that are complex and things that we don't understand and we we say, now, I don't need to know that because I'm better than that. Or we say, I need someone to teach me that, somebody to walk me through that. Number one, uh, on being a good sheep is just to remember that you are sheep. You're sheep. You're simple and weak. If we acknowledge that in everything that we do, it will change uh, the way we look. It'll remove the pride that so fills so many of the things that we do. And it will cause us to carefully and, and humbly cling to the Savior. 
because we know that we're just sheep. Second point I want to bring out is in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to turn there. Ephesians chapter 4. And my point here, my second point is this, that we need to stick together. And when I say stick together, I'm not just saying that we're near each other, but that we're almost fighting to stick together. Okay? Fighting to stick together. It's interesting to me um, that we know we know that it's good to be a part of a group. In fact, um, well, let's read Ephesians chapter 4, and then I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. We'll stop there. In this passage, it talks about really what it is that we are to do as sheep. He says, live in a manner worthy of your calling. And then he says, immediately, he goes into this relationship thing. And he he calls us to do things that are necessary in the church and in a family. It says what? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. Why do you need to bear with one another? Because sometimes... We, we live unbearable lives, right? We're difficult to be with. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity in the Spirit and the bond of peace. That verse 3, it, it says something super important, that we're eager to stick together. We're eager to be uh, connected in our lives. When I think about that, I, I think about all the things that could pull us apart. Uh, as a, a sheep in a flock, h- how we tend to drift and to come apart. It's so interesting to me as a pastor, you know, I go out in the community and or I, uh, I just meet someone in a store or something and they get to talking and they say, oh, you're a pastor. And, and so many times I hear the, sa- the same story. They're in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, even older. They go, oh, you're a pastor. And they, they kind of smile and they go, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I went to a church. I, I went to a, a vacation Bible school. I was part of a, a kid's program like Awana, uh, Pioneer Girls or Pioneer Boys. I, I remember those things. And, oh, I just have, Or they say, oh, you know, I was part of the youth group. Oh, Youth group is so great. It's so great to be a part of a group of kids that were growing up and we got to do things that were fun and we got to be together. And it was so sweet to, to learn about God and even to sing. It, it was so great. I, I have such fond memories of that. And so, you know, then the conversation stalls and I say, so where are you connected now? Oh, I don't know. Like, I don't really, I go every once in a while to this church or that church or a friend that has, I kind of, I don't know, like, I guess I don't need it anymore. I just don't think it's that important. What that is, what's happened is that over time, most of the time something happened, you know what I mean? A life event or a move, get involved in their career and they they never get connected with it. Or a lot of times there's an event, they, they got treated wrong at a church. And they say, oh, 
If people are going to treat me that way, I don't need a church. Boom, I'm gone. Gone. As sheep, we need to work at sticking together. Sticking together. We need to make it a priority for us to stick together. How many of you like your personal space? Go ahead. Be honest. Uh, I like my personal space too. I shouldn't have had four kids if that were the case. Um, Sometimes they crowd me. They just crowd me and it makes me nervous. And like, I'm like, get away, get away. Mom, they're crowding me. Um, But um, I, I, I don't... I like my personal space. I like, I like to be, but, but this is the deal. That's what causes us to drift. We go, Oh, you know, I, I, I'm not much of a people person. I, I drift over here or somebody looked at me wrong or they, they said something unkind to me. Oh, I'm not going to get involved because if I get involved, that'll happen again. And you just start drifting apart. And over time, guess what? You're scattered. I mean, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to go out in this community, this community, and to see people that were once a part of Bear Valley Church. And it's it's one thing to, you know, if they, they find a better preacher in town or they, they like something better at the kids' program or music or whatever. It's, it's, it's not a big deal, it, you know, if that's the key. But the ones that break my heart most are the ones that are scattered. They're just out there. You know, oh, I was once a party, but... I'm just doing my own thing now. It's not the way God intended it. Flat out, not the way God intended it. Is that He has called us to be unified, to stick together, to stick together. And so He calls us. He calls us to bear with one another. He calls us to to have this bond that, that sticks us together because of the Spirit of God working in us, that we push, we're eager. I, I like that word eager. It's the idea that we're pushing towards the center. I want to tell you something. Um, dads, moms, uh, kids here today, um, your life, your life in the flock should be pushing towards the center. You shouldn't be out towards the edges, you know, <laughs> getting ready to drift and to bolt, right? You know, it's interesting, dads, your kids will pick up on your attitude about the flock from you. You can set the pace in your home. If you don't have any time for it, if you like being on the edge and you're kind of half in, half out, guess what? That's going to be a struggle for your wife and kids. Wives or, or moms, as you think about your role, um, your attitude towards the flock will be uh, filtered down towards your kids. And you say, well, I can make them go. Yeah, you can make them go right now. And you should, by the way, you should. Uh, You young parents, you know, uh, I'm so encouraged. You bring your little baby to church, you're making them go to church, right? (laughs) They don't know they're even here, most of them. They just know that people are nice and they like the singing and uh, they like to sing along sometimes and people hold them a lot. It's a good place. But you're making them go to church. It's good. It's good. But guess what? Uh, when your attitude will impact your sheep, guess what? It's when they're out of the house. It's when they're out of the house. Do you have a heart for this? Is this is this filter down? We're called to stick together. If you want to be a good sheep, stick together. Work at sticking together. Uh, be conscious that this is what God intended for you. 
Number three, uh, grow. Grow as healthy sheep. In Hebrews chapter 13, I believe we looked at this a few weeks ago. And uh, benediction to uh, the book of Hebrews. It says this, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you will do as will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. As you look at this passage, there's a lot going on. But the one thing I want to point out to you is that because of the work of God, because of what he gave us in his son, Jesus, he brought us into this sheep shepherd relationship. But what happens in that is not just that he brings us into relationship, but what does he give us? What does he, how does he do? He says in verse 21, he will equip you with everything good that you will do his will. That's a picture of growing. It's a it's a picture of health that the, the shepherd cares for his sheep and then he gives them or feeds them in such a way that they will be able to be healthy sheep. Now you say, well, um, is it good to be healthy? Is it good to be healthy? Yes. Yes, if you have good health here today, it's a blessing from God. Sometimes we get used to having good health. We've had good health for a long time and we... We say, ah, oh, I feel great. You know, I don't know what the big deal is. Life isn't that hard. I get good health. And then we have it taken from us, right? That we get sick. Uh, some of you have struggled with health issues for an extremely long time, for years. What's the deal with being healthy? Well, it, I think most of you know this, especially this time of year. One of, uh, you know, one of your bratty kids is out doing something and they come home. And what do they do? They selfishly get a cold. They selfishly get a cold. And then what do they do? They share. They share. And then they wipe out the whole flock, right? They wipe out, you know, everyone's sneezing on everybody else. Everyone's struggling. Everyone, you know, it's like a, a sick bay or something. There's not enough couches and we're wondering who's healthy enough to take care of the other sicklings and so on and so forth. This is what happens, right? Guess what? Guess what? That's what happens in a flock, in a church. If we're sickly, if our health has been compromised, if we're not living a healthy spiritual life, guess what? Chances are it could be the norm. It could be spreading. True the other way as well. Our health is our, our spiritual health, our strength. God's given us everything that we need. And our job as sheep is to eat, is to go where he wants us to go, is to, to stay with the group. Why? Because these are all health issues. And as we do them, as we do them, we bring health to the flock by doing what God has called us to do. So grow to be healthy. Grow to be healthy sheep. Number four, bumping into others is good. Okay? As sheep, it's good to bump into others. Now, uh, 
this may be a little confusing. Let me just quote a verse and then uh, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Uh, one of my favorite verses, a good one. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Gives us this picture of, of as, as we have two hard things, as we rub them together, there's an agitation or a friction that's happening. And what it's got a purpose, and it's got a purpose in sharpening one, one another. Sharpening one another. This is what happens within the flock. This is the picture that is supposed to go on within a church body. That as we come together and as we rub against one another, there should be a sense of us sharpening one another. If you turn over to Hebrews chapter 10, another great passage of this. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That word stir up or spur on in your Bibles, it might say, is a word for agitation, agitation. It gives the picture of what we talked about of iron sharpening iron. Now, when I say that word agitation, some of you kind of perk up and you go, now that's something I know about. You know, in some ways, I feel like that's what God has made me for, to agitate people. You know, this is a good message. I can relate to this. I'm a little brother or sister and agitation is what we do best. But the picture here, if you look at chapter 10 of Hebrews, is that there's agitation, but it's good agitation in that it brings about something in the life of the person you're agitating. What is it? Love and good works. Love and good works. That, that we are called to bump up against one another, and that should be good. That should be good. L- let me ask you a question. Uh, why do you come to church? You know, Why do you come to Bible study? Why are you connected with this group of people? What's here for you? What What's your role? What's your job? You know what? It it would be good. It would be good that if we wake up Sunday morning and we say, "I need," you know, I don't really feel like going to church today. I, I don't really gotta go, but I need to go today because I need to agitate somebody. I, 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 you know, there's someone that God wants me to agitate today. And and if you think about it in that way, you're saying, "How can I?" How can I prod someone into loving God more? How can I be the, how can I bump up against someone? You know, it's interesting if you've seen sheep together in close proximity, they're going through a, a, a small valley or a, a narrow path and they, they've got to make it through. They're bumping up against each other, right? Um, what if one of them gets the idea that we need to turn right, turn right? Well, if he's in the middle of the pack, guess what happens? He turns and then he gets bumped back into line, right? Because we're all moving this way and you turn, boom, you're back in line. Oh, I guess we're going this way. It's kind of like driving on the 14 freeway going into L.A. Uh, you know, it's, it's that feeling of I got to stay in my lane because people are going around me. That's the picture for us as God's sheep. We want to have this attitude that says it's good to bump into one another when it brings about God's result in others' lives. You're going to be a good sheep. You've got to be willing both to be agitated 
and to see yourself as God bringing people into line for his good, for their good as well. Bumping into others is good. Let me just say one other thing. Uh, Bumping into others is good. Running over others is bad. Okay? Running over others is bad. If you just uh, have the attitude of, you know, you know, I say it like it is. I say it like it is. And this is just, they need to hear it. And if it's agitating, you know, they won't take it. That's between them and God. Let me, let me tell you, most of the time, and I could be classified as one of these people. Sometimes some of us pride ourselves in saying it like it is. But what's interesting about people who say it like it is, they don't really like it so much when others say it like it is to them. You got to be careful. Is that a gift of God that God has given you to to just let it let it flow, or is it something that he that that you do in your flesh? Is it something that God wants to use for His glory, or is it just part of your fleshliness that isn't helpful to the flock? So bumping up against each other is good, not running people over. Okay, that was number four. Number five. Number five, and this Titus chapter three, if you want to turn over Titus chapter three. Um, Titus chapter three, and I think that this is super important for what we're doing here this morning and what we God is doing here in our place. Um, in, in the book of Titus, it, he's talking about really, he's talking to a young pastor about what life should be like in the church. And he talks about something that uh, that God takes very seriously, and maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. Titus chapter 3, uh, verse 9. He says this, But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. What does that have to do with shepherding? What does that have to do with life in the in the flock? Well, Pastor Mike talked a lot last week about this whole propensity for sheep to freak out. Like for them to just, you know, they're kind of jittery animals. And in a moment, they can just freak out and it's danger to them as well as to the other sheep that they just get scattered. I want to tell you that we can be the ones that start the stampede. We can be the ones that stir people up with our words. Let me give you an example. Uh, someone, someone comes to you. Um, and and they say, uh, you know, something kind of bad happened today, and I, I need to share it with somebody. You say, oh, maybe you bump into them in the hallway here. Well, how was your week? Oh, let me tell you, I, it was kind of bad. Um, you know, I, I, I'm struggling with something. Well, what is it? He says, uh, he says, well, you know, I, I realized that I'm going to get laid off at work. I only have a couple more weeks and not too, they're going to pay me maybe another month after that. But th- then after that, I, I don't know. Uh, our response, our response tells us if we're a good sheep or a bad sheep. 
our response. Some of you, some of you say, Oh no, you're going to lose your house. You, you're going to lose your, Oh no, gas prices are like $8 again. Oh no, no one's getting jobs. Nobody I know get, Oh, you're going to be out of work for a long time. You're going to be living under an overpass and like uh, your life is ruined. Wow. Stirring up the sheep, right? Because you know what that man will do? He'll be all wound up and then he'll go home and talk to his wife. And how was church today? Oh, I didn't realize it was as bad as it was. And then he'll get her stirred up and the kids, these things just go, don't they? Right? You know what? Gossip does that as well, right? Chattering, negative talk. How does that happen? How does that, it happens in families, it happens in church, right? Somebody's bothered about something at church and they, they, they catch someone in the hallway and they go, oh, you know what those dumb elders are doing? I can't believe them. Oh, I know it, you know. And, uh, yeah, and it starts going, right? It starts going. And it starts, James says, what does the book of James says? Chapter three, it says, this whole thing of words, it's like a spark in the forest. And what happens? Lights the whole forest on fire. I want to tell you, as sheep, you want to be the kind of sheep. You want to be the kind that doesn't stir the other sheep up, but rather quiets them down. Those same conversations that we could have, the same ones. Hey, I lost my job. You did. What's the situation? Well, I lost my job. You know, I got a week here, a couple weeks after that. And, Oh, okay. You know, God's our provider. I don't know how he's going to do that, but I know he's our provider. He loves us. He loves us. Can I pray with you? God says we can cry out to him on everything. And so let's do it. Let's do it. I I don't know all the answers, but I know that God loves you and he'll take care of you. Yeah, you're right. He does love me. And he is going to say, huh, I feel better. That's the the difference there. If you, if you want to be a good sheep, you want to be one who settles people down, not stirs them up. In fact, in this passage that we just read in Titus chapter 3, he says, warn somebody once if they're dissension. They, they, they create dissension. And the second time, cast them out of the flock. Put them out of the flock. Why? It's interesting. Uh, most of the time, when it comes to sin, it's not the flock that God's concerned about. He's concerned about the individual, your sin. This passage, what's the concern? The concern is for the flock. It's not that they even say that this person is an unbeliever or believer. It doesn't really go into that. But he says, put him outside the flock because he's a danger to this flock. He's a danger to the health here. And there's a sense in which he won't hurt people out there. Needs to learn. And there's a danger because why? In this passage it says, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he's self-condemned. Man, you know, it's a big deal. Dissension's a big deal. And so we need to be ones who quiet people down, not stir them up. Number six. Number six, you turn over to Mark chapter 10. Now, I struggled with this because um, we talked about it in my first point this morning that we're sheep. And sheep are 
needy or needy, sinful, and weak, right? Okay. So Mark chapter 10, uh, maybe a familiar passage of greatness. And we like to be great, right? Uh, who plays a game to get second place? Who, uh, um, you know, who trains and says, you know, I, I'm hoping that I come in last. I'm hoping that I come in last. We just don't do that. We don't think that way. Uh, we know this passage that Jesus came with his two disciples. Actually, the mom was involved as well. They were asking about greatness and places that of prominence in God's kingdom and Christ's kingdom. And he says, hey, can we have a good spot? Can we have a good spot? And in verse 43, chapter 10, verse 43, Jesus explains to them this whole deal of serving and being great. And he says, but it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So this is what happens. We're in a flock. We're in a flock. We're individual sheep in the flock. And and some of us want to say, well, you know, we're weak and simple. We're weak and simple. So if we're weak and simple, somebody needs to serve us. Somebody needs to serve us because we're weak and simple. That's not the point. Okay. We do have a servant. Do you know who it is? Jesus. Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In fact, uh, the passage I just read in Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, used himself as an example. He didn't come to serve or, or to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. What striking words because we say, well, I can serve for a moment. I can serve with the excess of my life. I can serve when it fits into my schedule. And Jesus said, uh, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life. Give my life. Lay down my life. That's the kind of service he's talking about. And so you say, well, we're weak and simple sheep and Jesus served us. So we got all taken care of. We're fine. The same passage, he calls us to serve. And he says, if you want to be great, serve. And you say, well, I do want to be great. In fact, I like to, you know, if there's a role in the play between a king and a servant, I want to be the king. I don't want to be the servant. Uh, do you want to be a lion or a sheep? I want to be a lion. You know, king of the jungle. In fact, most of us struggle with this thought in amongst a flock that we would say, who's the smartest? Well, I think I'm the smartest. Who's the strongest? Who's the fastest? Who's the healthiest? Who's the most important? Well, I am. Place of prominence. So everyone else, all the other sheep should kind of come around me and, and, and meet my needs. I want you to get this picture. Uh, it's super important for us to say, see. God desires for us to be great in the flock by serving. By serving. That he does not want us in us thinking of ourselves as simple and, and weak sheep. He wants us to say there's a path to greatness and it's in serving him within the flock. 
serving him. You say, well, I don't have time for that. You don't want to be great. You, you, you see yourself as the one to be served, but not the one to serve. You think of yourself as a king, your sheep, your sheep. And for us to be proper in our need, to think of ourselves as sheep, we need to serve, not think of ourselves as being served. I've said this before, but um, you may... Uh, it's important for us to have this change in our heart. You look around your house and you see something uh, awry or something like that. Something, something didn't, somebody didn't put something away. Something needs to be done. Uh, whatever it is, we go through this process. We go, huh, that's wrong. Somebody left the milk out. Wasn't me. That's the first thing you say, right? Wasn't me. Wonder who it was. You know, and, and then, and then finally, if you can't figure out, if you're here alone, you think to yourself, somebody should put the milk away. And then you say, well, yeah, somebody should put the milk away. I shouldn't put the milk away. I didn't leave the milk out. So who should put the milk away? Well, somebody should. A servant should. And in most of our houses, I hate to break this to you, we don't have servants. Okay? So you got to ask the question, well, who's going to be the servant? And then you say, me. This is what God's created me for. I'm a servant. I, I, I'm a, I use the word servant because it's in the passage, but he says it's stronger, doesn't he? He says, look at verse 44. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. Slave of all. Some of your siblings here today. Oh, man, that's tough, isn't it? Me to serve my little brother? Me to serve my, my big sister? She's bossy. Don't like it when she bosses me. Hey, we're servants. We're not servants of them. We're servants of the Most High God. This is what he's made us for. Last point, number seven. Turn over to uh, Psalm chapter 34. What a sweet passage to end with this morning. Um, when you think of your place as sheep, Psalm uh, 34 Starting at verse 16, it says this. The face of the Lord is against those who... I'm sorry, let, let's move up to verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of those, them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Um, what does this have to do with sheep? Real simple. If you want to be sheep, a good sheep, okay? You want to fill your role. 
cry out to the shepherd. I won't even say it this way. Cry out to your shepherds, your shepherds. And you say, well, what are you talking about? What are you? Um, beautiful picture. It happens weekly, sometimes daily. Uh, we get a phone call or someone drives by the church and they come in and they say, I'm having a tough day. Well, what happened? Well, I just got back from the doctor. Something's going on. I'm, I'm fearful. You know what? Uh, as shepherds, you know, you know what I do uh, when someone comes in and says that? I think, well, tell me what your problem is. And they say, well, you know, I had this test and it went like this. And I, gra- I go on to WebMD and I start diagnosing them and thinking of the drugs. They say, oh, no, I don't do that. Why? Because I don't know anything, right? I don't know anything at all. And so what do shepherds do here on this earth? It's real simple. They try to quiet you down and they say, let's cry to the shepherd together. Let's call upon him. This passage I just read, what did it say? He, he hears their cries. He hears their cries. So we cry to the shepherd. He hears our cries. What does it say? In all their troubles... And all their troubles. What 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 an amazing thing. And you say, well, what kinds of troubles? All of them. All of them. And you say, well, I got some pretty unique troubles. Don't worry about it. He's got them. He can take care of that. Verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Verse 18, love it. Love it. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When your heart is breaking, guess what, kids? When your heart is breaking, when, when, when stuff's going wrong, go to your parents. Go to your parents. God's given you parents for you to go to. Wives, you know, when you're struggling, go to your husband, right? Right? That, 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 that's what God has placed you in a marriage relationship for. As you struggle as families within the church, guess what? God's given you elders of the church Ones who are, are attempting and growing in their roles to love you and to care for you, to pray for you. And ultimately, I want to tell you that you have a direct line, direct line to the throne of God. That he loves you as his sheep. Your pastor, he says, I love you. I'll care for you. The brokenhearted and the crushed, I love them. I care for them. I will walk with you. This morning, um, as I share with you about shepherding, I want to tell you that um, it's great to be one of God's sheep. It's great to be in his pasture. And you say sometimes it's painful, and yes, it is. This life is hard. Um, I, if you think life is hard in the pasture, his pasture for you, try it outside of the pasture. It's miserable. It's not the way God intended for you to live. He wants you to be within his flock, bumping up against it one another, looking to him as your shepherd. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, for this morning that we could look at this relationship. God, help us and remind us what our roles are and help us to trust in you to accomplish. God, I pray for those who are the brokenhearted and the crushed here this morning. I pray that they would sense your love for them, your care, that they would find that uh, peaceful pasture that you've provided for them and that they would follow you, uh, follow you and cling to you, knowing that 
you are our security, you are our strength, and that we are simple, weak sheep. God, thank you for this morning. Praise you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.